Denny. Oh, I'm Lewis. No intro today, bro. Intro's going to be put on afterwards. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, so uh, now that you've listened to the intro and you've heard us introduce ourselves, I guess we should just jump into it. Apart from just, let's do a, a, a little so, catch up then. What's, what's been going um, on? So to tell the truth, uh, a lot of sort of just, just uh, looking into stuff to do with the topic that we're talking about today. Okay. Because I didn't want to come here totally ignorant, but I okay. thought it was obviously something we should talk about. Um, so I've been kind of spending a lot of time just watching a few videos, um, doing a little bit of reading. Um, those two things do not equate to research. Um, and <sighs> just, uh, yeah, just trying to, from a, yeah, yeah, just sort of trying to get some basic understanding of what's happened. Because as I was saying to you earlier, it's one of those things I see on the news, but I don't actually have a personal stake in. And I've seen that that's been the case my whole life. Like you see things on the news all the time. You always see things happening in other countries. Um, from a tsunami in Thailand to other natural disasters around the world to uh, Middle Eastern conflicts. Um, and I think for a lot of, for the most part, that's what it is there's always sympathy there's always um you know like empathy towards it but i've never really you have a vague understanding often on news you know but they'll never go too deep and they might talk about things a little bit but um yeah i've just never really understood so um with what's going on now there's been a lot of attention uh so i thought We'll jump in on it. Jump in. Stop being ignorant. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Well, I guess we might as well just, just go straight in then. What have you been up to, mate? What have you been up to? It's been a bit of a mad one, but yeah. There's been a lot going on. But um no, in all the the main thing really that's been occupying my time is um just the the centre that I'm running has had a lot of filming take place recently. We had um Another commercial was filmed there this week, uh, which included uh, a naughty scene. Oh. When they had two naky people in a room. Oh. And they were doing naky, naughty things, which was a bit risky, risque, should I say. Huh. Obviously, they don't actually do stuff. They're yeah, acting yeah. like they're doing stuff. But even then, I was I was like, let's make sure that, uh, that no, one, uh, no one walks on by. And then, uh, and then I had a music video in until like half two in the morning. It was a low budget thing that one but um it was interesting because i quoted them a price to finish at half one and they said no that's, that's far too expensive we'll be out of there by 12 give us a price for 12 so i quoted them that price they ended up paying more than both those prices because they didn't leave till half two so I was like, that's that's what you're going to get guys unfortunately but um so yes yeah, so i've been dealing with that and uh that's pretty much about it just trying to trying to crack on and get my club back up and running yeah just going Picking up? It's going okay. It's going okay. Like um, a few of my classes are actually full to capacity. Okay. Um, and yeah, I've I've got some, you know, other little manoeuvres I can do in the next couple of months. Yeah. To try and get myself into a better position, effectively than I was in prior to the pandemic. So mm. that'd be good because, good. you know, if, if you guys are regular listeners, you'll you'll hear a few months ago I was basically worried that I'd have to go and find a full time full time normal job. Mm-hmm. stacking shelves with the qualifications that I've got right now everything that I've got from banking is completely outdated so uh, see so yeah, I was quite concerned um, but yeah that's that's pretty much where I'm at it's, so to jump in yeah let's jump in let's just jump in deep dive the news let's get into it the news of late has been somewhat littered with 
stories of protests and marches about people that are upset about what's going on in Palestine. Yeah. For me, it's a little bit weird because I've been aware of this. Like, I I watch documentaries. That's like my, my kind of go-to thing mm. is I watch documentaries. And I remember I was about 17 watching a documentary mm. on, on this thing and, and thinking to myself at that point, like, bloody hell, this has been going on for quite a while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And here we are now, 15 years later, well, more than 15 years later, yeah. and and it's it's pretty much the exact same situation now as it, as it was then. Yeah. If we've, maybe it's just got a bit worse, perhaps. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's, I'll, to, to give you guys a, a little, little intro as to what's going to come, we, we're going to kind of just dive through a little bit of the history of, of how we kind of got here in terms of the, the current issues that they're facing. And then I've actually managed to get in touch with someone who is living in Palestine at the minute. Um, and they're going to give us a bit more of a, a much, well, not a bit more, a much better insight as to as to what's going on and how it affects the people that are living there right now. Um, and the kind of flow of the agenda um, in terms of, you know, how this, in, you know, conflict is going and I use I use the word conflict loosely even though I'm sure Daniel will get onto that soon we talk <laughs> about the, the semantics of words um, so yeah so starting with the modern the modern history of it um, World War 2 so obviously in the build up to World War 2 you know European Jews obviously particularly in Germany were persecuted and you know uh, harassed and harangued and kicked out of the homes and then eventually for, forced into prison camps and then you know some of them experimented on and put into labor camps and then on tortured gas chambers terrible terrible things i think it was the number five million five so million I jews know. died as a result of the holocaust and then obviously we had the second world war and at the end of the second world war there was this thing of okay well what do we do with the jews now it seems like a weird thing to say that though doesn't it like what do we do with the jews where do we put yeah. them it's almost like a, a a piece of furniture that you're not sure what to do like where, whereabouts in the room do we put this which seems a bit harsh so there was a bit of a debate at the time as to where European Jews should be um, sh- should be kind of moved to for them to feel safe and uh, I feel like Denny's about to bring up something yeah um, so I've just got a, a timeline in front of me and just to this might not be important um, it's just saying Britain begins establishing a national home for Jews and that started in originally in the 1920s after the First World War but that was basically countries discussing with uh, members of the Jewish community and it was just discussions but yes yep. after the Second World War 1946 uh, 1946 um, obviously Jews flew in Europe um, yeah they so this is this here's the thing though, right? Britain has a track record for putting minority or persecuted groups from any region in control of places. Mm. Because if you imagine you're like a persecuted group and these people who liberate you say, look, you guys have power now, and not only do you have power, we support you. Yeah. They tend to grab onto that power wholeheartedly and like, right, now it's our turn. Mm. And this has happened historically throughout the British Empire. And it's just one of those things that even if you think about what happened between India and Pakistan in the 40s, 40s, 
40s, 50s, maybe, mm. I think it was the 50s. Um, you know, that was, all the conflict between India and Pakistan was basically sparked by Britain's, I don't even want to say incompetence, because that would imply that they had an intention of doing things correctly. Just lack of giving a damn. Yeah, but that's almost what it seems part of the thing here as well, like my understanding uh, is that after a while, like they were, there's people living in this land, right? And yeah. they've basically said, here you go. Here you go. You can have this land. You can have this land. People. It wasn't that simple. Yeah. So Britain kind of was like, you know what? Let's just leave. Yeah. And just left it. Yeah. sort it out guys yeah. sort it out um, so yeah so obviously if you imagine you know you you live in a country and suddenly you have an influx of refugees yeah. who another nation has kind of put on you and said look oh oh my gosh I have to ignore that call sorry about that guys um, so yeah so you've got a group of refugees that have been kind of pushed into your neighbourhood as it were and then they've been told that they, they actually have quite a lot of power and a lot of influence and a lot mm. of backing from, from this third party. And it, it's not really going to set too well with the locals. So needless to say, it didn't go down too well with a lot of the local surrounding Arab states. So here's the thing, right? So again, I, keep, I was reading something the other day that's like, unfortunately, in history, so many things seem to come back down to the British in the last few hundred years because again my understanding was Britain was in control of the region since the 1920 since after the first world war so you kind of got an understanding of what's going on to an extent mm. you've got an understanding of the the temperament of the region roughly the population where people live so then if you're gonna put several what was it? It wasn't like, I don't know the number. People, um, you know, you're going to say, yeah, you're welcome to take this piece of land. Yeah. Live here. Make this your own. Make it your home. Um, surely there needs to be some sort of thought, an action plan, like something in order to allow that to go smoothly. Yeah, maybe like a negotiation period between people that actually live in the area. Anything. Like, hey, guys, this is what's going to happen. This is what we'd like to happen. How do you feel about that? Is there any way we can come come with some kind of mutually beneficial plan yeah. that would make it all parties happy? Uh, but there wasn't any of that. And as a result, in 1967, there was this thing called the Six Day War. Yeah. If you've got... Um, which basically kicked off. Um, and, uh, yeah, most Arab countries were, were kind of mad at Israel. Let's say it. Yeah, at least that that's the, the source that I used was their understanding of it. Um, and yeah, they uh, they attacked Israel. Israel took a lot of territory, gained a lot of land. They gave some of it back, but they kept the West Bank and Gaza, Gaza which are obviously parts of Palestine. Mm. So bearing in mind, when you hear about the Israeli occupation of Gaza and the Israeli occupation of the West Bank, two things to, to, to think of. Number one is that they are not right next to each other. They're not side by side. They're different plots of land like geographically different locations there's there's actually a big difference in like even the political climate in those two areas to my understanding um but but the main thing to take from that is that happened in 1967 yeah and it's been ruled as an illegal occupation 
for a bloody long time. Like, mm. for as long I can't actually remember the... Um, well, the Oslo Peace Treaty then took place in 1993, which was where both countries, like, basically said that they recognise each other as countries, but they didn't agree on borders. Right. But Israel agreed that they'd stop pinching bits of land of Palestine. Um, so, yeah, that's... That's it's weird to think this has been going on since the sixties, like just that that whole like yeah we're gonna keep pinching bits of your land yeah gone. No, I just gonna say that the thing and again I'm coming from not knowing much about it. Right. I think and I imagine this is the same for a lot of people. One of the things I I don't get and is so I understand that there was persecution towards Jews again in the area in decades leading up to that obviously not in in huge numbers and, and these people have been displaced for such a long time um even going back a couple of thousand years to when apparently they were that's where they were originally was 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 their home so all of that's happened to you you've got the backing of world powers and if you're talking sort of 1930 1920 to 60 Seven, did you say? Uh, yeah, the that was a six. Like, why after the Second World War? Why would you? So obviously we've just had BLM. One of the things that often gets well, one of the phrases, and I don't know if you heard this, um, was that uh, became famous was we don't want we want we despite all the stuff that's happened to us as black people, we're not looking for revenge. We're looking for equality. We want peace moving forward. Right which is a very easy sentiment to understand. And I almost feel like after after the Second World War, people had lost a lot. Why would you go into someone else's, or, okay, even if you think it's your land. Um, so without jumping into that area, why would you then treat people like that? After immediately coming from that and that, from even, I, was, I was watching something yesterday and it was uh, and it's almost like that's almost become part of your uh identity yeah in that that they, I was watching this this debate and uh someone brought up a good point because they said uh you you can't say so it was Palestinian guys it was a really nice debate and they were saying the Palestinian guys and Jewish guys and he said like the Jewish guy said like part of the problem he said you had Zionists we need to be in a post-Zionist world now in order for us to come together and create uh, a better world for both of us, etc., and he was saying, but part of part of the part of the problem is we've created our identity through trauma, through the hurt that we've had in the past. Um, and he says something about the last hundred years, and uh, the Palestinian guy said, so to us, that's a false narrative. You can't talk about uh, you can't talk about um, pain and suffering over the last hundred years because you've been the oppressor for 71 of those years mm. to us. So in terms of a hundred, like, so for, 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 the, for generally everyone who's alive in Palestine, if you're thinking, I'm sure the, the average age is gonna be 70, maybe a bit less, maybe slightly more. They've been living in occupied. Yeah, yeah. So. The majority of the population has yeah, only ever has known. Has only ever known. And that would also be the same then for the Jewish people. The majority of that population has only ever known to be the power bearers in that region. Yeah. So it's, it, it's almost like 
but there, there is this history, there is this narrative, there is this, this is our identity. And when that keeps, keeps on, as long as that's being clung to, it, because fact of the matter is, yeah, you're going to have a defence. You're going to you're, you're a country, as most countries, you have a defence system. Yeah. You have a military. Um, that's not abnormal. But in that region, in that in 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 a, as far as Palestine and Israel go, you are the superpower. Yeah. So how can you continuously consider? How can you still call yourself uh, the the oppressed and still be basing everything on the, on past trauma? in that circumstance. Maybe the fact that you're surrounded by other countries, granted, it's not, you know, I get that to an extent, like you have to be aware, you're surrounded by your enemies, but within the region, like within Israel, within yeah. Gaza, like you're clearly the ones with the power. Yeah, I mean, the thing I'd say in, I don't even want to say like in fairness, but to, to my understanding, mm. the way it was explained to me once is that obviously, Israel is this small Jewish state yeah. in the middle of a lot of Muslim states. Yeah. And generally, the, the, the overall sentiment is that Jews and Muslims don't necessarily get along in terms of their ideologies. Yeah. So there was a, the way, you know, the, uh, the Israelis will, will argue is that there was a good chance had they not have had the backing of foreign powers and foreign, foreign support. Yeah. They'd have been wiped out in '67, okay, and that they've needed to maintain this aggressive, yeah, front to make sure that these surrounding nations see mm. no weakness in them, and and see it as as a, a bad idea to attack. Yeah, if that is if that is in fact their approach to it, yeah. like that's the reasoning behind it. It's been quite effective because yeah. they yeah. haven't been really, to my knowledge, they haven't really faced much in terms of conflict from surrounding states. Yeah. And even they've done a very, very good job. Oh God, it feels kind of crass to say it, but a very good job in terms of suppressing the the resistance in coming from Palestine. Because yeah. those guys are... It's, it's weird to think, right? So obviously the the occupation of Gaza and the West Bank, all that, it's, it's been decreed as or declared as illegal, right? It's by the United Nations yeah. for, for a long time. Yeah. Part of like, if obviously there's a lot to it in terms of like legal literature and whatnot that I've obviously not been privy to because I'm yeah. a moron but one of the things that's, that's written in that is that there's certain things that people who are being occupied illegally mm. are allowed to do right. to like def to to resist that okay. and um, and that it shouldn't be declared as like an act of war yeah or a th or even viewed as a, a threat of violence even properly and one of those things is throwing stones yeah so if your, you know, if if your land is surrounded by a metal fence with guard posts every couple of hundred meters, mm. and you get some teenage kids that want to throw stones at the guards because they hate them because mm. they've ruined their lives, yeah, that's something you're gonna have to just swallow. You are the oppressor, yeah. And yet, kids are regularly shot at for throwing yeah. stones. And this is this is the thing. I was I was speaking to someone today actually about this, and it's like, I think one of the one of the things you often hear is. Israel have the right to defend themselves mm. and I get that but when you're I, the analogy I used was like I could have a little petulant child kick me in the shin yeah punching that kid in the face it's probably not it is defending yourself but it's a little excessive no right exactly exactly that exactly that 
me being the person that I am, I have numerous options. Yeah. I have numerous options at how I can deal with that. Now, here's the other thing though, because this I thought, you know, when people, you see on the news, and then again, I've seen a lot of people talking about the, the weapons and the access that Israel have compared to, um, I don't even know if it's Palestine or if it's Hamas and which one's right to say. Right. Um, if, if you should differentiate Hamas taking action well, with... Ha- Hamas doesn't control all of Palestine. In fact, they don't even... The, so, I'm probably... If you're, if you're well enshrined in, or well-versed in, in what's going on currently with current affairs, at this point, you're probably already pulling your hair out and screaming at us. <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking idiots! Um, but his... So, so this, was, this was actually something that I learned a little bit when Corbyn was getting blackballed at the yeah, Labour yeah, Party. Yeah, was that because Corbyn had said, I would happily sit down with our friends in Hamas yeah. and discuss the current situation and try and work out a way to move forward. Yeah. Which Boris Johnson attacked him for it and said, you need to retract that. You called Hamas your friends. They're a yeah. terrorist organisation. Now, here's, here's how it worked, right? What's the guy... Oh, God, his name evades me in the moment. I, I need it. Who the guy it? who was in charge of Zimbabwe. So oh, Mugabe. Mugabe. Yeah. Mugabe was good friends with the Queen, right? He used to come to England all the time. Queen used to go to Zimbabwe all the time. Met with met with the President of the United States several times. Overnight, Mugabe's a dictator. Yeah. Needs to be dethroned, right? Gaddafi. For years, years mm. America had gone, okay, yeah, yeah, he's alright, we'll leave him, we'll leave him, he's alright, he's alright. Yeah. Suddenly overnight, Gaddafi's a you know, he's using chemical weapons on his own people yeah. he's got to go right same thing even with Saddam Iraq yeah, yeah Iraq that's it Saddam's got to go they've got weapons of mass destruction which at this point we all know to be bullshit and overnight he's got to go Hamas were voted for they were an elected party whether or not they've like served their elected term and then left office as they should have is now not necessarily the case, but at one point they were, to yeah, my understanding, they were elected yeah, yeah. because foreign powers, i.e., kind of Western powers, didn't agree with their their politics or, or their ideology. Suddenly, bump! No, they're terrorists. So, so which then, if you're if you're a country that's run by an organization or a, you know, a political party that's deemed to be terrorist, you're effectively now a terrorist state. Why? Okay. So, they're now. No support. Yeah. And when we talk about when it's it's funny actually that you mentioned like the the power that Israel has because obviously they've got a far more sophisticated army. Well, they have an army. Yeah. Period. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's a it's a pretty well trained, well armed. Yeah. yeah. Unit, Arguably right? one of the best in the world. Yeah. And it's not really the worst thing that they do is use their army. You know, the vast majority of Palestine doesn't have access to clean water. Yeah. So you you got fifty percent of the kids there. You know they they they're looking at this is going to be their life. They're going to be you know basically held held captive in their own land for their entire life, and and don't see any way out of it. It's it's the way that they control people in Palestine mm. that is on a day-to-day basis without necessarily firing rockets is yeah even there was a thing i saw recently obviously it was coming up to eid yeah there was some guys i think i shared the video 
there were some guys basically underneath like a gazebo just out outdoors praying they had a guy in front leading a group of about 20-30 men outdoors mm-hmm. praying and this guy I remember the IDF just just rolled a tear gas grenade into this little area where they were praying like these guys are obviously yeah, not doing yeah, anything yeah. they stand outside and he just rolled it. And, and it seems to me like one of the things that Israel are really good at whilst holding all the cards is doing these snipey little things yeah to just keep winding up Palestinians, just keep grating at them, wearing them down, wearing them down. And as soon as any of them think, oh, do you know what? I've had enough. We've, we've got to do something. We've got to make yeah. a stand. They go, oh, look at that. They're attacking us. Yeah. We have to take action now. Yeah. And they, they tend to always retaliate with a, with a lot more. And as you said, like if a kid kicks you in the yeah, knee, yeah. it's no good to punch him in the face. That tends to be their approach. Yeah. One of the things I will say, so my understanding is, and this wasn't from the this current flare up again. This is from before. Uh, my understanding was, although obviously the amount of rockets yeah. flying into from Palestine into Israel is increased due to this current flare yeah. up of tensions, there were rockets being fired in daily as a standard thing, and they're often intercepted. Right. And that is a regular. Not obviously, as I said, not hundreds that's happened at the moment, but that would be. It. But here's my thing with that. And again, this is not to sound insensitive. It's one of those things where it just is the reality, how yeah. I feel, and I could, I could be wrong. But with sometimes, for example, I see like the, the, the weaponry that is coming from Palestine is crude. It's rubbish. Apparently a lot of the rockets aren't even getting as, to the, you know, as far as Israel. They're just dropping or dead, you know, yeah. very crude. Yeah. Poor weaponry. And then Israel are replying back with a laser targeted um specifically to, to to the um a specific area. There's there's a, apparently they have intelligence and then but those places also have civilians in and bam, they can yeah. do that. Well but it's the, this is this is this is this is the weird it's like and while you can't compare, and I think this does though, the answer is kind of in that analogy of the, the older person being kicked by a kid but it's it's one of those things I still think like Israel doesn't have crude weaponry it's not like for like do you see what I mean so yeah. if they do retaliate it's always going to be much more sophisticated than yeah yeah I mean um, it was actually interesting there was an article that I'd read in the BBC and it's funny enough before off air you talking about the use of the word conflict yeah I actually wrote a letter of complaining about the way that they outlined the current conflict right ongoing conflict because I get what you're saying about the the connotation that it gets yeah, yeah. but generally if you say conflict to someone it sounds like two people fighting yeah. and it doesn't necessarily convey the one-sidedness of the fight I get that it's not necessarily inaccurate because one side is fighting back however feeble attempt that might be yeah but it still it still leads you down a different path, one that's further away from the truth than than it is. I feel like I feel like in isolation. I get what you're saying, and I was, I was having this conversation with a friend, and and they explained a similar thing to me. But I also feel like us when we are trying to be and people who are pro pro Palestine, um, pro humanity, pro decency should 
uh, it's also their job or our job to use a correctometer and add what we need to. So I yes. can say it's a conflict, but this is this isn't this isn't two people, and I make that I let people know that this isn't two people. This isn't just two people fighting. This is one of the world's greatest superpowers fighting people who have sticks and stones. Their most advanced weapons are not are not hitting targets. Yeah. Whereas the other have laser, you know, it's, well, it's, 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 it's completely skewed. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, it would be said in a better way than I did, but I feel like it's our job to get the full message across. Um, but I do understand what you're saying. I do, I do get what you're saying because that is the case. If, if you say there's a conflict, you, you, your immediate thought is, oh, just two people fighting. Yeah. The, the thing to, to bear in mind is like there is, there's a lot of, um, what's the bloody, again, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I'm forgetting my words. There's a lot of lobbying. There's the word that came back mm. to me from, you know, Jewish-run companies, media, to to portray things a certain way. So, for example, Israel's Twitter account. Yeah. I think it was today. Yeah. Bunch of rocket emojis. Yeah. Have you seen it? I didn't see that. So so it was like, I don't know, 40, 50 rocket emojis. Yeah. And it said, to give you some context, these are the number of rockets that were fired into Israel today. And it's like, their way of going, look, we're the victims. We have to retaliate. And this is is the problem. This is... And I think from some of the conversations, so I, I've even said like this was Jewish people who were talking of being against this. And I think this is part of the problem where I feel like people, are, I think people, are, people see past that, right? Like I said, we don't think... They don't necessarily though. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I had um, a friend of mine posted something on Facebook and it was like a, a thing for a, a petition yeah. to sign up for a petition. And one of his friends put a comment underneath saying, pretty one-sided argument, don't you think? Like, especially when Hamas are doing all this and that. And I was like, it was weird to see because all the comments after that were like, oh, you think that's one-sided? Do you? So, <laughs> How about this? How about this? So there are still people. That, yeah. and, I, so, and when I think about this, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, access to information depending on your generation, right? Yeah. So... Me and you grew up yeah. and still had dial-up, yeah, right? Yeah. But you're a little bit older than me. Yeah. So you had dial-up in your like teenagers, maybe, yeah. early yeah. teenagers. Right? Yeah. I still had dial-up in my early teenagers because my family broke, right? <laughs> in the 56K modem, get off the phone if you want to use the yeah, internet, yeah. <laughs> okay? So access to information at that point was was still pretty crap. You you relied on TV. Yeah. The, the generations older than us are still used to and comfortable with the idea yeah. of getting their, their news from the news, yeah. from newspapers, from the news programmes. Yeah. People our generation get their news off Twitter. Yeah. And Twitter tends to portray a, a more even perspective on it. Yeah. It's still not 100% mm. because a lot, of, a lot of social networks are owned by yeah. companies that are supportive of Israel. Yeah. I, I, I do think Twitter have generally been pretty good with that where you can you can you can very often and this is the thing is i'm not a tweeter i don't tweet I don't even but use i use twitter for news so if something happens you can there's people on the ground who can give you a video who can give you who who have their opinion who 
Do you know what I mean? And this is just for the most part standard. And it's not to say they're one hundred percent accurate in their in in their interpretation, but you can get enough of them in order to start building a picture, and then you see it on the news a couple of hours later and get a fuller understanding. That's what I quite like about yeah. it. But, but, but going back to the whole um like the way it's portrayed so yeah. so you'll hear you'll hear stuff like oh uh all israelis have to have a bunker in their house like they all have to have a bunker bunker yeah. it's it's that bad they all have to have bunkers it's not it's that bad they all have to have bunkers it's a legal requirement right it's a law that you have to have a but you build a house has to have a bunker okay right and it's not it's it's not even I feel like you would think what kind of a a thing when you're thinking about goods things that you purchase yeah. or things that you build things that you buy yeah you would think a bunker would only be purchased as an essential thing right mm. who has a bunker unless it's an absolute necessity yeah but for I feel like it's almost a luxury for them when you think about the the difference in what goes on mm. because let's say I, I read last week there was there was rockets like a bunch of rockets fired into Israel mm. and for the most part their Iron Dome yeah. which is like a drone type defence system yeah. stopped yeah. any of the ones that actually made it to Israel yeah. except one rocket killed a guy Yeah, so one Israeli dead he obviously did not get to his bunker quick enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a dickhead joke anyway anyway Israel's like okay we need to respond yeah they fire a target missile at a refugee camp and kill 10 people. And they're like, right, and that's it. Tip for tat. Mm. We're even. But there's no bunkers. There's no bunker. There's no bunker requirement. Yeah. There's, yeah. It's, it's not the same. Mm. It's not like they're both sitting there. They all have civilians huddled up in bunkers ready to, on both sides. Yeah. It's just not the case. And interestingly enough, actually, so obviously this last weekend just gone, massive protests. Yeah. Or marches, even not protests necessarily, marches in, in London, right? Something like 150,000 people, I think it was, that marched. I'm not sure. The number. There was a ton of people, man. I was yeah. I was looking. But here's the thing. The only place I saw that was through people that were there live streaming. Yeah. And a couple yeah. of Twitter Twitter accounts. I didn't see it in the mainstream news. Mm. I, didn't, I did not see it coming from mainstream media, right? So the, the whole idea of it being like... Uh, in the moment of watching that protest I was like oh this is kind of good man at least it's going to bring some more awareness to yeah, it and, yeah. Yeah, and, and people are going to maybe finally and there's, there's this regular regularly occurring thing because marches happen in, in support of Palestine all the time yeah. they've been going on for years I feel like when you see these marches you go okay maybe we'll get somewhere yeah. on the same day that those marches happened Israel blew up Al Jazeera's offices. Yeah, yeah, I saw in that. Palestine, and, and uh, I think AP's as yeah. well. I think AP shared the, the yeah, same yeah. the same uh, office. AP, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, e, so e, EY as well. What EY now? EY's office has oh. got blown up. So AP, AP is Associated Press. Yeah. Um, so they're one of the biggest news agencies in the world, um, who provide the the, the known. Uh, like the Al Jazeera's, like the Fox News, like the CNNs, like the Sky News, like ITV News, BBC News, they actually provide them news. Right. So they subscribe to. There's three. There's Thomson Reuters, 
there's AP, Associated Press, and I think there's the other one's AFP, it's a French, it's something French something. But they're the three biggest. Those three companies provide 90% of the world news. Okay. Um, now, um, for them to be, I don't know if they were targeted. I don't know the ins and outs behind it, but there's a, there's a big, it's a big deal generally when the press are attacked. Yeah. That almost goes against everything the Western world is supposed to stand for. Even during the BLM marches last year, there were incidents where the police attacked the press and that was front page news. Like the press let everyone know about it. And those police, I no doubt there were big repercussions. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a big, like that's a big deal. That's a big deal that the fact that um, both Al Jazeera and AP's um, don't know whether they were targeted or whatever, but the fact that their offices were um, blown up. My understanding is that they, it was either that or another one, they gave them an hour's notice. Yeah, that was that one. And it's like, that was it. But like you said, they don't have bunkers. You got an hour, get your shit and get out. Yeah. Run. Like it's, dun, 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 dun. and that's again, that's what I mean. It's like, you have the, you have the means or which to choose exactly how you're going to quote unquote defend yourself. Taking down the whole, like, and that's, that's, that's one of the things that um, I think a lot of people are, what I've seen anyway, obviously, you know, the algorithm's pushing me towards things and, yeah. Um, that I've seen people talking about it's like you're you're being a bully. You know, yes, someone might have attacked you first, whether that's the case or not. But you're the one who has the power. In fact, you have the power to the whole situation is is in your hands. Yeah. How the how people in Palestine are treated, <laughs> whether it's going to be like all the laws, everything is dictated by you. How you respond is dictated by you. You have all the cards, so it's kind of in your hands to resolve it. Yeah. You know, as a civilian, as a civilian, if someone, if someone um, done something to my family and I'm never ever going to forgive them and I'm going to, my whole life, I'm going to plan on taking down whoever it is. Like that's me as a civilian. There, it's, there will be laws that will punish me for my crimes. Yeah? Yeah. You wouldn't expect them to find my house and try and bomb my house. <laughs> Do you see what yeah. I mean? Like you could punish me with like, and it's the same as well. Even when this argument, when people are saying, so I said this to someone, I said, so for about 30 years, England, the UK was regularly bombed by the IRA. Yeah. Weekly occurrence. I'll be going to school. There'll be a bomb scare. If it weren't a real bomb, it would be a bomb scare when I was in London. Right. Um, but England, and you wouldn't expect... I apologise for my chair creaking, by the way, guys. Sorry, it's doing my head in as well. If you can hear it, I'm so sorry. You wouldn't expect England to respond with launching rockets over to Ireland. You ex- How they did respond, you know, don't get me wrong, obviously a lot of off-key stuff happened, and but it was never airstrikes on Ireland, yeah. you know? And again, we were the ones who had the power. We had people who were very uh, disgruntled, to say the least, in 
for 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 whatever reasons, justified or not, I'm not getting into that. Um, but ultimately, the person with the power has the power to control that situation, to to have talks, to have you know, to to take all the steps that need to be taken, or to to have airstrikes. Yeah. But ultimately, you're going to be judged. Apparently, for the uh, the a lot of Arab um, countries uh, who would who have previously spoken up haven't because they've recently had treaties and favourable things, yeah. and their citizens are now uprising and stuff and making a lot of noise about it. Yeah, so the, so like the, in the UAE and the thing is Morocco. that yeah, uh, yeah, the UAE like a lot of Arab states just signed up to a like a, a treaty with Israel and. And it's weird because like you've got these Arab countries yeah. who've signed deals, basically doing business deals with, yeah, with yeah. Israel. Yeah. And then when these attacks happen and and uh, these these new developments occur, they just oh yeah we don't support it we 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 condemn yeah. this we don't condone it, but nothing changes. Yeah. And the the thing that I think frustrates a lot of people that are campaigning for change is that change does not occur. Mm. And one thing that that just to, to touch on was obviously there's um there's a, a thing called the BDS movement. Do you know what the BDS movement is? I think I heard it. Go on, tell me. Boycotts. Right, okay. So Maybe the idea started something. from yeah. South Africa, yeah? Yeah. Mandela's people. Mm. They all got together and people like people around the world said we are gonna boycott anything that's coming out from South Africa because we do not support the apartheid. Cool. It puts so much pressure on the South African government that they ended up letting Mandela out of prison. So it worked. It was non-violent protest. Yeah. We will vote with our pockets. Yeah. So BDS movement obviously is aimed at not supporting um, businesses who who act in benefit of the occupation of Palestine. Right. So there's a few big companies on there. HP is one of them. Okay. So HP provide a lot of stuff that is used at uh, military checkpoints and gates and stuff for checking people's ID, da, 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 okay, whatever. Yeah. So so they they're support. So people that support BDS don't don't buy from HP. Another one is Coca Cola. Okay. There's a Coca Cola factory in Palestine on Palestinian land that was built obviously against the will of the Palestinians by yeah. by the Israelis. Um. So this idea of okay, well. We will boycott products that come from Israel, which I personally don't see anything wrong with. It's a really small thing that you can do yeah. to to openly vote with your pocket. Yeah. Show your intention by by not giving these people your money. Yeah. I could argue about its effectiveness or lack thereof. Mm. And I'll I'll give you some context, right? Um Coca-Cola sells like I think it's 100 billion bottles is it 100 billion or 1.1 maybe I'm getting the number hugely mm. conflated I'll double check but I think it's let's just say on on a on a modest one it's like 1.1 billion bottles of Coke a year yeah if they're selling 1.1 billion bottles of Coke you got to like just let's say that 20% of their market is Muslim okay so 20% of their market are the most likely to buy into the BDS movement. Wow. But there are tens of thousands of Muslims that are well aware of the situation that's going on in Israel and Palestine, mm. and they still buy Coca-Cola now. Right. Right, although they're fully aware of it. Yeah. 
So you're not going to have a huge impact on the overall sales figures of Coca-Cola by boycotting over this issue. Yeah. Especially because there are a lot of people that either aren't aware, yeah. don't care, or actually support Israel. Yeah. My thing was this. Let's say you had those 150,000 people that were marching in London. Mm. If they all just managed to get one of their friends together, just one mate each, yeah, yeah. that's 300,000 people. Yeah. And they all bought, let's say they all spent a couple hundred quid buying shares in the Coca-Cola company mm. and got one people, one person to represent them at a board meeting, they would now have a decent yeah, voice yeah. in the Coca-Cola company yeah. and actually be able to say, look, you guys need to affect change. Otherwise, we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep buying more yeah. stocks in the company. We're going to have a voice. And then if you don't do what we ask you to do, we're going to dump the stocks yeah. and, and create a massive drop, drop in the stock price. Yeah. You need to do... We yeah. are we are voting members of the board. You need to do some shit. In, um, the thing is, it's about... In the uh, Wall Street bets group on Reddit. I might oh, do that. Mate, the thing is, initially it created a huge surge as well because even if you think about savvy investors mm. who want to do something ethical yeah it would seem weird to invest in a company that are actually suppressing yeah but you're doing it so you can gain power over them to actually force them to do yeah, the right yeah. thing morally yeah so so that was that but what i wanted to, to touch on a little bit was how this uh kind of propaganda campaign has occurred that's helped israel continue this pattern of behavior despite everyone knowing that it's wrong. Mm. Like, it's it's clearly not right. It's been deemed illegal. There's There's been, you know, the, the push for, obviously, like the Oslo Treaty and stuff like that, for, for there to be some kind of resolution for decades now. Yeah. And yet they keep doing the same thing. In fact, there was uh, all these, like, national protests in all these different countries. Everyone's yeah. kicking off, you know, this ain't right, this ain't right. So Israel said, okay, we're going to delay these evictions by a month. Right. When I say delay these evictions, sorry, I should give this some context, right? Certain controlled areas of Palestine, what happens is the Israeli army come in and they kick families out of their house and they go, oh, there's this, uh, there's this Israeli family that has a claim to this house, like a historical claim. Yeah. And they, they just pull out some documents, like falsified documents mm -hmm. and go, look, these are 100 years old. They, they declare ownership belongs to this family you guys are here illegally you got to get out and they just evict these people from their homes and then an Israeli family moves in and locks them and just locks the doors that's it and if you try and get back in and get your shit the army will arrest you mm. it's so weird to think yeah. that that could happen right yeah. you're just sitting there having your dinner and the army comes in and kicks you out of your home mm. and you can have all the legal documents to say that you own the house the Israeli courts don't recognise them because it's, a, it's from the, an enemy state. Yeah. So they're like, what is this? You've got Palestinian documents? That doesn't mean shit to us. Yeah. Get out of here. Your argument's not valid. So, um, so, so the, this ability to, to claim victimhood, and one of the big things is that there's this recent push now to say anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Right. So what is Zionism? What is what is anti-Zionism? So what is anti Just quickly, so do you know? Are you going to explain the Zionism? Yeah, I'm going to just go through. I'm actually going to use, although I think they're generally quite biased in one direction. Okay. Uh, just a BBC article that kind of okay summarizes it. But yeah, okay. go on. 
Are you going to ask? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so, explain because I was going to say something okay. about after. So, anti-Semitism is hostility and prejudice directed against Jewish people, right? Yeah. Fine. Zionism refers to the movement to create an, a Jewish state in the Middle East, yeah. roughly corresponding to the historical land of Israel yeah. and the support of a modern state of Israel. Anti-Zionism obviously opposes that. Yeah. Some say that Zionist can be um, used as a coded attack on Jews, while others say the Israeli government and its supporters are deliberately confusing anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism so that they can avoid criticism. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, and that that kind of my personal opinion is that bringing up the old history because there is a an old history yeah. part to this as well doesn't really have a massive impact on what's going on today yeah but when we have our guest on who's currently over in palestine yeah. they might have a different opinion and i'd be interested yeah. to find out from them what their perspective so i was is. listening to this really interesting debate as i mentioned yesterday and the jewish one of the a few of the jewish guys on there basically they're in agreement and they what they said was i mean obviously to be out you know these were generally people who both groups were uh say yeah you know in agreement that yeah things how they are can't work we need to find a way to move forward together so they all had that in common um, but obviously they had their views that were and their allegiances to their side one of the things that one of the guys said that I thought was it really interesting and he was saying how we move forward one of the ways we need to move forward one of the things we need to do is ah, so just rewind he said he was saying like throughout let's say last hundred years there's been many movements to try and find a homeland for the, for the Jewish people. Zion, Zionism was the one that worked. Okay. Yeah? So there was many before that that failed. The Zionism was the one that worked. And he said, and it has worked. Mm -hmm. But we now need to move to a post-Zionist. He said, it has worked. We've got a, Jew we've got, we've got a Jewish state. Yeah. It's a thriving state. It's economically pros prosperous. It's scientifically. It's, we've got a, a, an army. That succeeded. But we also have other people here. Yeah, we move. We need to be post-Zionism. We've got that. That's ticked. It's achieved. And now moving forward, we have to redefine ourselves and find a way to live equally with the people. Homogeneously. Yeah, with the with with the people that share our land. Um, and I, I thought it was it was uh, very interesting. He he went on to to talk about um, how did he how did he explain it? He said by us having seeing you as the enemy so by us having palestine as our enemies we're allowing that to define us yeah. rather than we've you know we've created science where we we actually have the chance now to define ourselves rather than constantly be defined by this trauma obviously we never forget but we need to now we we have the chance to be an example to the world rather than everything about us be based on this yeah historical um trauma that's that's happened and it, it was quite interesting i mean as i said there was there was a it was i'll, I'll share the link on our site on our page but it was very uh, interesting as the conversation went on there was some very interesting stuff yeah. that got said on both sides so but the, the problem with that when when you have someone that says well if you're if you're an anti-Zionist, mm. you're basically an anti-Semite. Yeah, yeah. It then it then means that you can't speak out at all against any of the actions yeah. that Israel are, are undertaking at the minute. Yeah. And in fact, 
uh, Boris Johnson came out and said that he's he's going to stop councils from supporting BDS movement. I can't remember how exactly it was that he was going to do it, but he said that like councils won't be able to openly support BDS, which is yeah. interesting. Now, um, Jeremy Corbyn mm. constantly called you know called out and, and saying that you know he had a massive problem with anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. Yeah. I'm, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of Corbyn, I'll be honest. Can I just say something with it? <laughs> Go on. There is a big problem with... And I think if you... And I think this is what the thing's like. Generally, you know, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of... People do get passionate about... People do get passionate about um, about this stuff. And if you're... If you're left-leaning... Obviously, this 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 kind of you know, it, not that you have to be left leaning for it to be bad, but it also gets goes against your a lot of your ideologies. Yeah, I've been around a lot of people who sound like, and I'm in in all walks of life who who, for the most part, they are, they are um. They're 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 pro Palestine. Because they're anti Jew. Because they're anti Semitic. I've been around a lot and a lot of them are left-leaning. There's so many silly conspiracy theories. And again, it's, it's, it's I'm saying it's like these two things coexist. So yes, Israel can be wrong. Yeah. Israel can be doing the, you know, committing the disgusting atrocities, but people can, and there are still a lot of people who are anti-Semitic and people who are anti-Semitic jump on this and then become pro-Palestine because it gives them a platform against against Jewish people. Right. I've been around a lot of people who, for the most part, you know, because most left-leaning people seem come across very nice, they want to help people, and then bam, when it comes to Jewish people, they're just like, they just go off. And they believe in the conspiracy theory. Jewish people are, are responsible for the ills in the whole world. So when, again, as I said, when it comes to Palestinian stuff, they're off, you know. They're they 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 they're massively behind it, but for all the wrong reasons. Right. So the thing is, when you say like, obviously, a little little bit at the beginning, you went mm. there is a big problem with anti-Semitism. Yeah. I'm not sure what was actually going on. I heard there was complaints about yeah. anti-Semitism. Yeah. I didn't ever hear any examples. So. Far le- so I don't think there were I don't think there were so I don't think there were big things going on because you don't need people are smart enough to know when and when they can't say things and the things that people got in trouble for but if you're ever in I should correct myself it's not I shouldn't say within that party there's a faction there's a more extreme end of that party that Jeremy Corbyn was uh, lent more towards that so they all followed Jeremy Corbyn was the closest they got to a leader to their ideology so they all got behind Jeremy Corbyn but yeah. this, this is what I mean though when we say this yeah based on how do we know this I've been in rooms I've been in rooms with with Jeremy Corbyn not well not Jeremy Corbyn but supporters of that um, his brother <laughs> momentum, <laughs> I don't know what his Jeremy Corbyn's brum momentum brum, people mom, like um, who who 
and the, the stuff is right but this yeah. is the thing right if those let's say okay here here's a little bit kind of what it's like okay this is why I'm like oh we should like get more facts really yeah but when Trump was in power yeah racist yeah he's blatant racist yeah all his racist shit he's been mm. saying well, what, what racist shit did he say Okay, and then you go, okay, well, he I, said... I know loads of racist stuff he said, though. Go okay, well, for, like, an example that would... Have, yeah. He said all these Mexicans are coming across yeah. raping and murdering people. Yeah. That's not what he said. Okay. He said there's a lot of good people coming over, yeah. but there's also rapists and murderers yeah. coming over and drug yeah. dealers, right? Yeah. He didn't say they're all this, right? And it gets twisted. Yeah. He said, oh, he said this, he said that. Mm. Now, and then, then they come out and go... They go, right, let's get this other guy because he's much better, yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah. Right? When asked by, oh, who is it, from the Breakfast Club about his oh, policies. Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, his response if was, you for, if you don't for me, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't if black. If you vote for Trump, you're, you ain't black. Yeah. 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 And then him saying that the reason why uh, you can't have voter ID in America is because it's unfair against black Americans because most of them can't be he basically said don't have access to the internet mm. because they don't have the intention to want to learn mm. and then like sorry what black people in America don't have access so, to the internet here's, to here's the thing with that right it just becomes easy to say he supports and the reason why I say it sorry just to finish is yeah. that a lot of those assholes yeah. supported Trump yeah so it's easy to say Trump's a racist because a lot of racists did support Trump. And That's if you exactly get, what I was going to say. And if you get a yeah. lot of, you know, anti-Semites that support Corbyn, yeah. that's not that's not Corbyn's fault. No, no, no. I'm not saying. So I think I think Corbyn done the same thing as Trump done. For right. however for how different they are, I think they knew their base, and Corbyn couldn't say certain things because a lot of his support were from those people. So right. he has to play that balancing act of trying to be. Stand for the values he he stands for. Yeah. Trying to become prime minister and also try to keep a lot of his support, the people who are willing to go out there at grassroots and do work for him and and um, and what do you call it? Um, campaign for him. Yeah. He had to also keep those people happy. So exactly the same thing Trump done. Trump done it in a much more blatant way, and Trump didn't care about balance and anything. Mm. But Trump played to a racist audience. Trump right. shared things that were from Britain first. Trump shared things that were violent. Trump shared things that were openly racist. And along the way, he said a lot of racist stuff or a lot of stupid, a, a stupid stuff that involved race. But I think, and I think, I, I think, yeah, I think that's important because I think what, 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 what Corbyn done was similar in that he... He, he didn't do enough to distance himself yeah, from that. Because, but he couldn't. He couldn't because that was a big part of his support. Yeah. That's a big part. That was a big... Which is weird because I spoke to a, a guy online who, you know, I didn't even know he was Jewish. It's just yeah. when I when I posted up some stuff about Palestine mm. and it it was, you know, against the Israeli occupation, he started messaging me. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I actually listened to your podcast and I think you're wrong. And we had a bit of a conversation about yeah. it. But, um, and he, he was saying like a large proportion of the British Jewish community are Labour supporters. Yeah, yeah. So it would seem weird to me that he would support anti-Semitism when 
a large portion of that. But yeah. how many how many people how many Jewish people in the UK? Exactly. Yeah, so it's, 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 a, still it's a large it's percentage small. of a very small percentage. Exactly. Yeah. But and that's the thing as well. Though. So here, here's something that that got to me as well. Keir Starmer. Yeah. I think I mentioned this. And in fact, I know I mentioned this on a previous episode. Was invited onto you know an Eid uh, Zoom call right. to celebrate Eid. Yeah. But the organisation that that was hosting it supports the BDS movement. Right. And then when it was discovered by some, um, like, let's say, Jewish lobbying groups mm. or whatever, he stepped away from it. He said, no, I can't be involved in, in that because it doesn't line up with Labour's policy mm. on anti-Semitism. It's like, well, hang on. What they're talking about, the you know, financial sanctions, as it were, on Israel based on their illegal occupation of Palestine. Yeah. Nothing to that sounds anti-Semitic to, to me. So this is the thing with politicians. They're, they're so spineless. Exactly that. Exactly that. They're spineless. Mm. What do they stand up for? You don't know. Whatever gets some votes. Whatever gets some votes. Exactly. Whatever. If this person can be influential and can say, yeah, I can bring you X amount of votes, that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. I think... Oh, just just, to, just to something I did want to mention... Um, just a lot of these, the and I, I try to be I try to be factual where I can, <laughs> yeah. and open minded and try and sit in the middle and try and understand both both viewpoints before I have a viewpoint. So sometimes when I see things online and you can tef- often you can you know this it's so easy to share things on social media and one of the things I've seen a lot of is oh. You cared about the Black Lives Matter. You done this. You done this. How can you care about this? But then you don't care about this. And I just want to say to people who are doing that, stop the BS. As I said at the beginning, I don't have a personal stake in the Israeli-Palestinian situation. Nice choice of words there, Denny. Situation. <laughs> right. How about apartheid, bro? Yeah, no. Ethnic cleansing, bro? Yeah, call, call it that. That's, I, I, I agree. Um, I don't have a, a personal... I don't have a personal stake in that. So my sympathy and empathy comes from... from a, a humanitarian thing. But it's not... which is going to distance me more so than stuff with like I'm I'm black so I'm going to be personally attached to what yeah didn't realize do your mum and dad know <laughs> one of them the other one I don't know. <laughs> do you know do you know what that's from what's that it's from uh, hear no evil see no evil okay Richard Pryor and uh oh, I can't remember the other guy's name Woody Allen no it was uh was it Woody Allen? no it was um but he goes uh he goes but you're black now. Richard Pryor's like what <laughs> Mum and dad, no. <laughs> anyway, no so it's like chocolate factory. Yeah, so it's like obviously when st- stuff to do with something that can directly affect me, yeah, my family members, that's going to hit home to your me. Your wider community. Yeah, that's going to hit home to me. And that's the same with every situation. So I imagine some if, if, if someone has family in that region, this is going to hit home to them. That doesn't mean we don't care, but we're human and like, this is what I mean with like, like let's be real, at least be honest with each other. All of us have issues that are more 
closer to our hearts than others. That doesn't mean I don't care. And because of that, like my, for example, old people, right? People think I'm a dickhead for this, but I'll openly say it. When I see older people... You're like, kill them. No, but my, 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 I often think I don't have as much sympathy because yeah. I don't know how much of a dickhead or if you were a dickhead years ago. Yeah. yeah? When I see kids and I'm very charitable towards kids, I'm, mate, you'll get everything. You'll get all the clothes off my back because you haven't had a chance. You're, you're in the world. You're in a horrible situation right. that isn't your fault. Here's, here's the thing. It's like, if you're trans, yeah. you're going to relate to the trans movement. They, yeah. Right? You're not going to care about the Wujia Muslims in China. Yeah. You're not going to care about Yemenis getting bombed to hell by the Saudis. I think you can care. You can care. Not as much. Not as much. Because when people are getting attacked and they, they feel the same demographic as the one that you do. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna yeah, affiliate exactly, with them a bit more, yeah. which is actually weirdly in the same field. If you're Israeli, right? Yeah, it's hard not to be angry yeah. with Palestinians. Yeah, the reason for yeah. that is that Israel has national service. Yeah. So oh, when, someone guy said this actually. Yeah, yeah. When you've been in the army, yeah. you're never not in the army, right? You yeah. always. Yeah. You you always remember your time in the service, and you've always got that bond, and you always consider yourself a member of the military. Yeah. It's it's one of those things, right? Yeah. So, when a soldier gets killed, they don't see it as an attack on a soldier; they see it as an attack oh. on one of them. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, ah, we yeah. can all get behind this. What action can we take to yeah. stop this from? Well, you don't need to take no action at all. Yeah. There's a guard standing at a post, occupying an illegal settlement. So, yeah. yeah, whilst it was dangerous, he knew it was dangerous. He signed up to it. He signed up to oppressing these people. To, yeah. to you know, He signed up to that, that movement. And he did that because, number one, is a legal requirement because Israel demands yeah, yeah. it. And number two, he's a patriot. Yeah. He's part of the team. So just going back quickly, and I'm going to come to that, just going back quickly to the thing I was saying when people are posting things, saying, oh, you, don't, you cared about this, but you didn't care about that. Oh, it's not all about trending and fads. Just going off on what you said. Oh, so what I wanted to say with that as well was most people will be on your side. Like, don't attack me <laughs> to try and win me over. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that, done. that's done. Yeah. Post, post something that's educational. Enlighten me. Tell me why I should care more. Like, tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can do. You know? Like, here's There's, the thing, right? You... You generally like support the idea that Palestinians should be like given their land back. You know, not not the whole thing. Obviously, yeah. I'm guessing like so to some extent, like the two state solution or whatever. So right? I was listening to someone with the two state solution, right? right? But um, hold on, just yeah, this one on, little thing, right? So you think obviously you'd like there to be peace, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, fine, yeah. But you didn't even know about BDS movement, I, right? Yeah, not so yeah, much, yeah, right? Yeah, only from and, when and, you've told and, me previously. And, and yeah, here's yeah. the thing, right? Like. That that whole thing of you've already you've already you don't need to be won over. Yeah. You need to just be given more knowledge. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um just going back to what you're saying about the, the soldiers, so I was watching something and one this this Israeli guy, he was a soldier, he said, Growing up, all I ever knew was hostility from Palestinians, because I am at a post. He doesn't serve uh, the, the, the service term. I'm at a post and obviously they're just being aggressive to me. Understandably, or not understandably, but my whole exposure 
all the bad things I've heard is then reinforced. Yeah. And I'm not educated enough way. Obviously now he's, you know, he, 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 he's against it and he was speaking for uh, a one state solution, funnily enough. And one, what they were saying was, I don't know enough about this. I'm literally just paraphrasing. A two state solution, but it kind of made sense with me. But again, I've only got this one point viewpoint. A two state solution, they said it's an outsider's point of view. It's, it's the Western, it's the, it's the British, the Americans, their solution. He said, the same people, he said, but all that will allow them to do is have two more two, two countries to sell weapons to. But ultimately, it's still a division. Yeah, It's still a division. It's this state, be this state. Unless they heal, it may be if they heal and then they do it, whatever. But unless you heal, if you just put a wall and say, that's your land, this is our land, we're still enemies. Yeah, We're enemies at each other's doorstep. And he said, what well, ultimately what they need to do is find a way for everyone to be equal um, to, support. to, 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 to yeah. you know. Um, and then you, you, but I mean, as I said, it made sense to me, but I don't know enough about it to, to. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, obviously, if you guys have been listening, we've kind of been jumping about a little bit. Yeah. So what I propose we do is just chill for a moment. Yeah. Um, we're going to, we're going to pick this back up. Um, when we have access to our, our guest and we'll a little bit, be a little bit more structured in terms of our, our approach to, to questions and stuff because we will have limited time um, to speak with this gentleman. It's, it is really difficult because mm. it's not a new thing that's just happened. Yeah, There is a lot of history involved. There's modern history and proper history. There's, yeah. there's this blurred line between religious ideology and political ideology and racial bias and indifference and mm. there's so much going on here that to break it down in I don't know how long we've been talking for like an hour or so yeah you know to think that we're gonna have all the the history of it and current affairs of it and all the questions and all the answers sorted within an hour would be very naive and yeah. kind of disrespectful to, to what's going on but if you're if you're ignorant as to to what's going on over there, at this point you've got an inkling more of an idea. Mm. But hopefully, obviously, we'll we'll get a little bit more insight from this gentleman when he comes on. So yeah. so I will now obviously take this moment to introduce our new guest. So we are now joined by Abdullah Maraka joining us live from Palestine. How are you, sir? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It's a little bit warm here for the first time in a long time, so uh, so we're coping with the heat. Um, yeah, so uh, so obviously things from from our side at the moment, things are a little bit more calm in Palestine, or at least that's that's the way the news is portraying it. Is that the case? Do you mean now? Yeah, like there's an apparent ceasefire. Yeah, actually, it's not calm as you see it now through the media. It's okay. the same thing. Nothing is changing. In fact, the arresting increased more after the ceasefire that was declared between Palestinians and the Israeli side. Uh, the Israeli army is uh, launching, they already launched a huge campaign in the Palestinian cities in 1948, or what's called or known around the world as the, Pal the Israeli cities where Palestinians living inside Israel. They launched this campaign directly after the ceasefire. It's called, I think, Law and Order, arresting Palestinian activists and people who've been participating in demonstrations recently. 
during the escalation that was a couple of weeks ago. But the problem now, the media don't report it as they used to report a couple of weeks ago. Like Palestine was in the me- on the news almost every day a couple of weeks ago, but now it's not in the news, but things on the ground is almost the same, we can say, especially in Jerusalem. So from from Europe and in the West, when we, we obviously, I, I feel like we go through waves in terms of interest in what's going on in Palestine. There's times where things get a little bit more heated. Do you, do you feel that that makes a difference as to what's going on in, over there? Exactly, because uh, as a Palestinian, and this is a common idea now in Palestine, that's what's really happening. And the ceasefire that was agreed between Palestinians and the Israeli side, it was in favor of Israel a little bit because they wanted to make their reputation a little bit good because recently and for the first time, the whole world witnesses and they saw the real face of occupation. And this has caused a lot of troubles for the Israelis. People start calling out what's really happening in Palestine with the real names, with the real terms. But now after the ceasefire, things started to go down in the media a little bit, but the same thing is happening. And it's right what you said that in the Western world, it's waves. And this is what's happening. On the ground, things still the same. In Sheikh Jarrah in Jerusalem and in the new neighborhood, Silwan, the process of trying to uh, kick Palestinians out from their homes is still on the process. Nothing changed a lot it, uh, about it. Uh, Discrimination against Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah still continues until today. Settlers and armed settlers are allowed to go in and out of that neighborhood without any restrictions, while Palestinians, they are not allowed to go inside the Sheikh Jarrah unless if they are living in that neighborhood. I, um, I think this is the important thing. I think on the news in the West, particularly in the UK, when it really gets highlighted when there's conflict both ways, right? So whatever's happened on the ground, if we put that to the, to the side a second, um, but when we get it is when Israel are attacking Palestine and Palestine are throwing ro- uh, rockets towards Israel. And then rockets. there's a ceasefire and then we don't hear about it no more. But I think what a lot of people don't understand is what I said put to the side. Let's bring that back. Forget the what is close to, it, I guess, being a war. And can we just sort of, and I know you were talking about it then, but just so it's very clear and distinct from each other, what happens on a day-to-day basis? So when it's not full of, media attention because there's not a back and forth in terms of military weapons but day-to-day life what's happening in palestine and this is the main problem like when the media start to understand that what's happening in palestine it's not a trending issue Mm. Uh, unfortunately the whole media 
is dealing with Palestine since many, many years, only as you explain it, when things escalated really huge and it's it's spreaded all over the social media, mm -hmm. then the whole media will start covering what's really happening. But after the ceasefire, let's be logical about it, the occupation still on the ground, apartheid procedure still on the ground, discrimination still arresting, still daily attacks by illegal Israeli settlers is still ongoing until today. But now we don't see this, this on the media. The whole world saw this only for a couple of weeks. Then after the ceasefire, it's like everything disappeared. But the fact that on the ground, this is happening on a daily basis. And then in terms of, um, obviously, Palestine is, is quite segregated in terms of you have Gaza on one side, West Bank. And so where, whereabouts are you based and what's the difference between where you are and other areas? Okay, so basically, uh, I live in the West Bank, exactly on the southern side of the West Bank, in the second biggest Palestinian city in Palestine. It's called Hebron. The Arabic name for it, it's Al-Khalil. It's around 750,000 Palestinians living there. It's around 25 kilometers away from Jerusalem. Now, to understand those different seg segregations for the cities and the districts in Palestine, for instance, in the West Bank, if, if you are a Palestinian living in the West Bank, we hold something called the Green ID. I'll show it on the camera now. This is how my ID look like. It's issued to me by the Israeli government because the Israeli government, since they are the occupier power, they have the access to the civil reg registry. It's issued to me by the Israelis, but it's de it delivered to me through the Palestinian Authority. So everyone lives in the West Bank. We hold this kind of ID that has this cover, which is green, okay? Now, Palestinians living in Jerusalem, they have similar ID like this, but it has blue color. People in Gaza, it's the same. They hold the same ID as this one. But for me, as Palestinian living in the West Bank, I'm not allowed whatsoever to go to Jerusalem or to what's so-called Israel. I'm not allowed to go there. I need something called special military permission where I need to go to a military base to wait in line for a couple of hours to apply for a permission, most likely I will not get it. For and from my personal experience, and I say this all the time, for me as Abdullah, it's easier for me to get a visa to go and visit Europe, easier than getting this military permission to go to Jerusalem. To go to Gaza from the West Bank, it's impossible. It's only allowed for a few people, mainly the people who works with huge NGOs like the United Nations, UNRWA, or uh, huge uh, news agencies. So you said that if you want to go to Jerusalem, obviously you have to go and try and get this military pass. In what circumstances could you get the pass to get into Jerusalem? Or, or uh, I get it many times, actually, but I get it for something called medical purposes where I have to go to an Israeli hospital there. I will show you one of those military permissions. This is the one I used to have. 
it's uh, it's an old one, but I keep it because sometimes people don't get the idea of having your personal ID, then you need to get this special military permission to go to Jerusalem. So basically this is issued to me after I get a special document from an Israeli hospital to go with uh, one of my family members there. But the funny thing about this military permission that it gives me access to Jerusalem for one day from 12 a.m. until 12 p.m. the next day. It's only for 24 hours. But behind it, it's written the instructions to be there. I'm not allowed to go anywhere except Jerusalem. I'm not allowed to drive a car there. I'm not allowed to book a hostel or a hotel there. I'm not allowed to sleep over there whatsoever. And when the military give like are giving these passes out, there's obviously um, I can't be the first person to ask about this stuff. So, what is the what's the justification that they use for saying that you're only allowed to be there 24 hours that you have to get back out? Uh, unfortunately, I don't know because they are the one who have the power. They have the control of access, so they are the one who can decide whether you will be there or not. But for instance, if I don't need to go to a hospital or I don't have any official documents that I can use it to issue this military permission, if I wanted to go there to apply for a permission, like let's say that I just want to visit that area, no, I will not get it. So just with regards to the hospital, if it's an emergency situation, do you still have to follow, like, so... For myself, if it's an emergency, I'm going straight to the hospital. Do you still have to go via the military, get permission, and then go to hospital, um, get permission to go to hospital, even if someone is in, I guess, an emergency state? There is different circumstances, actually, for this, because in, in the West Bank, we have hospitals. Right. Sometimes we are obliged to go and try to find a way to get medical treatment inside an Israeli hospitals in Jerusalem. Right. So when we wanted this, we need to apply for this military permission. But I will give you some scenarios. For instance, in the West Bank, to move from a city to another, we need to drive through an area called Area C, which is completely controlled by the Israeli army. It's an Israeli controlled area. And in that, in those streets, you will find Israeli settlers driving there and also Palestinians driving, but not all the way on the streets. Sometimes when accidents happen happening there, directly when the ambulances arrived, sometimes the Palestinian ambulance will arrive before the Israeli one or the Israeli one will arrive before the Palestinian ambulance. Mm. But in case if you have a, an accident let's say with the settler and the israeli ambulance arrived and the situation was really really critical they will transfer the person to an israeli hospital but for their family members if they want to follow them they need to apply for this military permit okay, okay. and then for what about for people in gaza then similar no, people in Gaza, they are under blockade since almost 17 years now. Uh, they are basically living in an open prison. No way in, no way out. 
except for a few, few cases. Uh, we are talking about cancer patients only, but this has to go through many, many, many channels to, of coordination uh, between the Israeli side and uh, some NGOs who, who's working in Gaza, like the International Committee of Red Cross, but it's less than the West Bank. People in Gaza literally are living in a huge open prison. They can't leave Gaza and no one can enter. Okay. So when we, like from, from our perspective, the kind of, the way it's portrayed to us from the news at least is that there's really not much difference between Gaza and the West Bank. The most of the time when, we're, when we hear about Palestine, it's 90% of the time we hear about Gaza. Mm -hmm. Um, and even something uh, Denny mentioned earlier when he said about the conflict, he said it's between Palestine and Israel. So is this does this come from the news in terms of saying Palestine, Israel, or is it Gaza? Because to my knowledge, obviously I'm maybe ill-informed, but there's not much coming from out of the, the West Bank in terms of conflict. Is that correct or no? First of all, Gaza and the West Bank, it's part of Palestine. It's the same country. But Gaza been completely disconnected from Palestine since 17 years when the Israelis, when the Israeli army decided to put Gaza under siege, not allowing anyone to go out or to enter. Now, uh, what you are talking about, the terms of conflict, first of all, we can't call this conflict no matter what, because when we're talking about conflict, we're talking about two equal sides with power, let's say. Today we're talking about a problem between uh, <coughs> an occupier power and people living under occupation. Now what you hear in the news all the time because there is no presence for the Israeli army inside Gaza Strip. So there was militant group that was established not only, not newly, they were established since the 80s as a reaction uh, to one of the uprising that was known as the First Intifada. Those militant groups that were established, and we're not talking here only about Hamas, we're talking about different political movements. They were established for one goal, which is resistance against occupation. Now, because Gaza, after it's been under siege and no, uh, uh, no presence for the Israeli army inside, they were able to develop their militant group. And they are the one who can actually react to anything that's happening in the West Bank. Now, in the West Bank, what you don't hear it in the news, there will be a lot of demonstrations a lot of uh, clashes between Palestinians, protesters, and Israeli army who tried all the time to stop those kind of protests. But the militant resistance that we're talking about, that we hear it on the news and you hear it on the news in the West all the time, it start, it's mainly based in Gaza, but it can happen in the West Bank in different occasions. It depends. And it happens recently during the escalation between Gaza, between the militant resistance group in Gaza and the Israeli army. It happens in Ramallah during a demonstration where a Palestinian 
we don't know who exactly did it, but a Palestinian group or an individual, they organized an attack against an Israeli military force around the Palestinian city called Ramallah. But normally we see the news focusing only in Gaza. And if you pay attention to the news in every escalation in the past, normally the Israeli aircrafts will, will hit Gaza for one week and no one, no media agency will talk about it. But as soon as the first Palestinian rocket from Gaza fired toward the Israeli territories, it will be viral all over the internet and the media, of course. So what's, what's um, so with regards to the rockets that are being fired from Palestinian, uh, from, from Palestine, towards Israel, um, my, I imagine that's done by a select few people who have access to rockets. Um, what's the general consensus of the public and their support for or against the people who, are, who have the abilities to sort of fire rockets? Listen, to make it easy for you to understand it. I know this is, might be a sensitive and a difficult topic to talk about, but it's still easy to understand it. The story is simple. People are living under occupation. And they want to fight this occupation, which is a legitimate right. Those people developed an ability to manufacture rockets, to build, let's, let's call it a self-defense technique. And remember, they built it in an area that was under siege. Nothing is allowed in, nothing is allowed out for 17 years. They developed this kind of rocket system. And when the things started in Jerusalem, in al-Sheikh Jarrah, those resistant militant groups, announced that there will not be silence about what's happening. And they gave the Israeli army a timeline to stop all the violations that's happening in Jerusalem, in Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, and in that Palestinian neighborhood, Al-Sheikh Jarrah. And then they threat that they will fire rockets toward Tel Aviv on that day at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. People, they were watching the news, at 6 p.m., the first couple of rockets start hitting Tel Aviv. I can't tell you that people, they were, they were against it. No, people, they were supporting what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And this is a normal reaction. When you are faced with aircrafts, with violations for human rights, that's been happening since the last 73 years. The recent escalation that everyone watched it on the world It wasn't a result of one or two days violations. This is a result for a long occupation that lasted for 73 73 years. So people wanted to resist. There was a group of resistance movement who decided to adopt this idea and to put an end to what's really happening, to react to what's really happening. Because even physics improve this. Like for every action, there is a reaction. And this is what happened recently. For 73 years of ongoing 
of ongoing uh, occupation, land confiscations, how, how homes demolition, apartheid practices on the ground, uh, illegal court system that was directed only against the Palestinians. So it resulted in this huge escalation that everyone saw it recently. Mm. So can I ask, when you hear us, for example, we, we quote the media when the media say conflict, and then you knowing yourself firsthand that these the rockets that are being manufactured in Gaza, they're quite primitive, right? Compared to the sophisticated weapons Israel yes. has. How do you, how does that make you feel when you exactly it's a basic trade like that? Actually, because I don't trust the mainstream media at all, because I feel media, they show you what they want, not what you want, or not the truth, because also the media is controlled by, by money and external factors. Uh, so when I hear also all the time conflict, sometimes I laugh, sometimes I get angry. But I don't blame people like you, for instance, because you've been fed up with those kind of information through the mainstream media through different ways since a long long time but what makes me angry recently that today we are living in an era which is easy to find the information mm-hmm. with internet around with it's easy to have an access to an information you just need to, to put some effort anyone need to put only a small effort if they really care and want to understand what's really happening there. And the recent escalation, this is what was remarkable about, that Palestinians decided to use the social media, and they've been trying to use it since many, many years. They tried to use the social media in order to expose the, to expose the occupation and to show what's really happening on the ground. So they used some famous influencers in the Middle East in general and in the world. And it it turns out that with all the restrictions that we face it from Instagram or Facebook or those platforms, it's still we managed to deliver what's really happening on Palestine, even if it was a little bit. And that's why if you compare what's really happened what happened recently in Jerusalem and Gaza with what happened in Gaza in 2014, you will see the difference, how the public opinion is started changing. People are starting to cross this line that was considered for them a red line, and they were afraid to cross it, to criticize Israel, to criticize what Israel is doing in Palestine. Because everyone was really afraid from talking about this because they will be labeled directly as an anti-Semitic. People now started to understand that criticizing Israel and human rights violations and apartheid practices on the ground, it has nothing to do with the Jewish as a religion. It has Israel is violating international laws. Uh, criticizing them doesn't mean that you are crit- criticizing a religion. People now started to understand and to separate between those two terms, that if you are criticizing what Israel is really doing, that doesn't mean that you are anti-Semitic. No, the anti-Semitic term in general, it was created to make people have this kind of fear so they, will, they won't talk about it whatsoever. 
But people now started to understand more because they saw what's really happening through social media on the ground. Uh, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, they were helpful a little bit, but they were also fighting the Palestinian content recently. And I experienced this personally through my Instagram page in every post, everything I want to do it. There was problem until I get this post or story published and people can see it. So my understanding is uh, Facebook recently faced a lot of backlash and have actually, well, Instagram side of Facebook have relaxed, have changed some of their rules in terms of what they're going to show and what they're going to not show um, in favour of Palestine and, and situations. Does any of the recent, I guess, more sort of global, um, as you've sort of said, changing and, and us actually learning, starting to understand a bit more as to what's really happening, does that give you any sort of optimism or what, what does that mean, I guess, for you being there? What does that, what difference does that make that we, we are actually listening and now actually, I mean, this podcast even, you know? Actually, uh, until now, Facebook and Instagram, clearly they are in favor of Israel. Mm, yeah. Because you can easily find any, uh, any post on Facebook or any post on Instagram that literally calling for killing Arabs and Palestinians without any problem and it, it's not removed. Mm. But if you try to post anything that has a hashtag of Palestine, or save Sheikh Jarrah or Gaza under attack, it will go through this channel of, of uh, security for Instagram and Facebook. Recently, I've been trying to upload a video, uh, a short video about Palestine, but I didn't mention anything. It has nothing to do with the conflict. It's only showing the beauty of an old building in my city and was removed directly from Facebook. Now, what, uh, what make me optimistic recently that Facebook officially asking from Apple company to remove the bad reviews on the App Store about the Facebook application. Because Palestinians and some Arab activists at the beginning of the escalation recently, they were asking to put a bad review uh, on Facebook application. People, they were going there giving only one star to the Facebook app on the Apple store, writing the reasons because clearly they were fighting and trying to silence Palestinians, fighting the Palestinian content. Mm -hmm. Now their uh, review feedback is 1.4 from five. And if this campaign continues and the review for the Facebook application on the App Store become less than one star, it will be automatically removed from uh, the App Store. What makes me optimistic that Apple company refused the official request from Facebook page to remove all the bad reviews. They couldn't, they didn't want to remove it because we are also users. Mm. And as they say all the time, customer always right. So we decided to use this rule as Palestinians this time. Yeah. And really, now, that's why I'm optimistic, but at the same time, I'm angry most of the time when I think about this because the idea is someone is trying 
to silence you, you know. Mm. They don't want you to talk. They don't want you to tell your story. And it's not enough what the occupation is doing, even talking about what about our experience or trying to tell our story. Mm. It's not allowed. Then yeah. this is not me will make me will make only me angry it will make anyone like imagine if i come to you and you want to post something yeah. on social media about your feelings or something you think about I, i'm and i decided to stop you like mm-hmm. um again do excuse my ignorance with this question wait uh do excuse my ignorance um and this is something i guess that's reflective of the western world quite often like we see our governments do things that aren't necessarily representative of the the way the general people feel with with um israel is would you say so that this is the government or would you say the sentiment is actually among the nation generally of israel as well from what we experienced recently mm-hmm. it seems that it's the whole nation mm-hmm. we've been seeing armed settlers right. armed israeli people going under fully protect full protection by the israeli police attacking palestinian homes right. marking the doors of the Palestinian homes with some marks so they can come back and attack them. There was so many videos that was streamed from Palestinians from their neighborhoods showing how the Israeli police is standing, doing nothing, settlers shooting fire at Palestinian homes, attacking Palestinians in the streets while doing nothing. And, and, and uh, only two days ago, two days ago, yeah. Um, and again, I apologize for my ignorance and my lack of understanding around the situation. One of the things, and I guess at the moment, the biggest thing on the news with regards to Israel is uh, Netanyahu losing power. Now, I don't know enough about who will replace him or this coalition that will replace him, but is that still continuing the same direction they currently are or is that hopefully these new people will act better what's the sort of feeling around I'm sorry to tell you but it will never change because the problem is not with Netanyahu right in person the problem is with the whole system with the whole nation that was created if we want to go back to 1948 and how this country was created, it was created on wiping off the Palestinian uh, villages, kicking out 750,000 Palestinians outside of the country, establishing the country and still going on until today. So how the media now is trying to put the blame only in one person and if he's losing power, maybe the other one will come and he will solve it? No. And just to let you know that the new prime minister who's coming, Naftali Bennett, and just do a small research about him. Uh, one of his famous sentences saying, killing Arab, it's normal and nothing wrong with it. He's one of the most racist Israeli politicians that you can listen to or you can experience. 
and he's not the only one. We are talking about a huge group of them, whether if he's the extremist right-wing Israeli, or even let's say that the Israeli, the new Israeli government is the leftist one, nothing will change. Because throughout the history, even during the leftist Israeli governments, building settlements and confiscating lands from Palestinians didn't stop for a single minute. So it's not about only one person losing power and things maybe will get better, no. It's about the whole nation and how this country established. Okay. So when you're thinking about like the, the ideal future, uh, there's, I see, um, I see a lot of, interestingly enough, actually, what you were saying about how Facebook kind of filters out uh, content. You know, if I click on a pro-Israeli video, the next video that comes up will always be pro-Israeli, yeah? If I click on something yes. pro-Palestinian, the next video will be something else completely. It's never, yes. They never filter it to, to give you the same information. But um, one thing that I watched, it was a kind of um, propaganda type video. It's, I think it was called The True Story of Israel. And uh, mm -hmm. the, they mention the, the population of, of Israelis or Jews generally living in other Arab states in surrounding areas. And they say how, you know, if you go to Saudi Arabia, there's very few Jews living there. You go to Egypt, very few Jews living there. And there's, they're obviously clinging on to this idea that Israel has the right to exist. I think everyone globally accepts that Israel already exists, has existed for a long time. And that this whole idea of uh, like fighting for the right to exist is kind of past its time now. Mm -hmm. But two things. One, how do you feel when you when you kind of are faced with that kind of propaganda, especially when they say, well, you know, there's there's loads of Palestinians living in Israel with no problem. They have rights and they live in Israel and it's fine for them. And then how, how does that make you feel listening to that? And then what do you think is the the. I, I guess everyone has a, a different view as to what the solution should be to move forward peacefully. But do you see a way that it can happen? And if so, how? Okay, just uh, I want to mention about uh, something when you say that the Palestinians living in Israel. It's right, there is Palestinians living there, but they don't have the same right as they show it, as Israel show it to the world as an Israeli Jewish person. First of all, when, when this country was declared in 2017, when Israel declared themselves as a Jewish state, that means the self-determination for anyone holding an Israeli citizenship is based on their religion. So clearly they are giving the priority for only Jewish residents. If you are anything other than Jewish, then you don't have the right for self-determination. That's something clear. If you are Jewish in this country and you hold an Israeli citizenship, you are on top of the hierarchy and everyone is less than you. This is how this country established. Now talking about solution, before talking about solution, if we are standing on the same ground where me as a Palestinian have the same equal right with an Israeli Jewish person, then we can talk about solution. But talking about solution, while we are not on the same ground with not equal rights, 
I'm sorry, but this is maybe could be a dream or a waste of time. Because talking about solution without equal rights, without being on the same ground, me as a Palestinian and another Israeli Jewish person, this is a waste of time. What's the point of talking about solution if an Israeli Jewish person still have the privilege more than me, he has more, the, more rights than me, he can do whatever he wants. But while I'm still not allowed to have, to have my basic human rights as a human being, which is the right to movement, for example. I'm not allowed to move freely around my country. What do you think is going to take for that to happen, though? Because from, from what you've just said, obviously the, the new prime minister coming in, you know, he's, he's more racist potentially than even Netanyahu was. And it doesn't, it doesn't look all that positive. I mean, my, something I said very recently is that, obviously you alluded to it as well, people don't generally trust mainstream media these days, but now people are turning more to social media. The politicians that are in power now, they're still of that older generation who don't pay too much attention to social media. But the next 10, 15 years, the politicians that will be replacing them, they're the kind of our generation people who grew up with social media more likely to, to have used it and rely on it for their information. Do you think that's gonna have a big impact on you know, things moving forward, because that's a long time away. Or do you think there's anything that can happen before that? I don't think so, because the problem is not with the media mainly. The problem is not with the social media. The main problem is with the, with the main system of this country, how this country was built. Like if you go back to history, let's say from 1990s, and you listen to the Israeli famous politicians talking about negotiations with Palestinians, talking about peace, there was no one admitting or trying to give a talk, a clear talk, that they will allow one day Palestinians to have their own country or to, ha to have a self-determination. Basically, the main idea that this country should be only a Jewish state. That's the, the main point of, the, of every Israeli government. Uh, changing the demographical factor, putting Palestinians more, more in cantons and marginalized area, and areas around from in different separated area, but not connected with each other, so they can cut the cultural and the social connections between Palestinians. And through this way, they can create what they call the dream state, their own Jewish state. So the problem is not talking about politicians or how the mainstream media is dealing with, with this cause or how the social media is dealing or even the new generation that's coming on the Israeli side, let's say. The problem is with this country, how it's established and what's the dream and the goals for their country. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was, uh, again, I was watching something recently and um, they, they were talking about this, about how it was established and its goals and intentions. And they were, they were kind of saying that they need a post 
Zionist idea that they've got, like you, like Lewis alluded to earlier, this 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 country, this thing, it's, it's happened. There's people there. How do you now live in peace? Like what happens after? How do you now live in peace? You, you shared this, this land is shared. Um, do you continue having conflicts or do you find a way to live in peace, make everyone equal um, and essentially move past this? Like, I don't know enough about it, but almost this Zionist ideology. Yeah, actually, you mentioned something really important, post-Zionist idea. Do you know what that means? That, that means going back to Palestine, how it used to be pre-1948, before the establishment of the Israeli state, no. where Muslims, Christians, and Jews used to live side by side, coexisting without any problem, until the UK, some crazy guy in the UK decided that, okay, this land, let's give it to the Zionist Jews. Yeah. He gave something he don't own it to a group of people and decided to destroy the coexistence peace between Palestinians, Muslims, and Christians living used to live in Palestine before 1948. And the country was established. In my opinion, and this is logically talking, mm. today as Abdullah, and this is my opinion about it, the only way or the only solution is a one state mm. for Palestinian Muslims, Christian Jews, and Israeli Jews also to live in one state side by side with equal rights. And the most important thing, right to return to Palestinian refugees who's willing and they want to come back. And we're talking about millions of Palestinian refugees around the world. Uh, if this uh, solution is accepted by the Israelis, then this is, this is actually the only solution that could happen. But the question here, how long it's going to take until we reach this point and would the Israelis accept this or not? But this solution I'm telling you about, it, it need ages, it need ages. Like it will not happen in a few years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it will not happen in my lifetime also. Because yeah. even, because <clears throat> I was just gonna say mentally, even, uh, sorry, sorry, you go, you go. Yes. It's so okay. because uh, mentally, I think the Palestinians and the Israelis are not ready for this idea, right. mentally. Mm. But if you want to talk logically, yes, this is the only solution that could happen. Palestine pre-1948, how the country used to be, coexistence between the three main religion, and this is not also a religious conflict, but this is how the country used to look like or used to be before the creation of the state of Israel and the Zionist movement involvement in this region. But mentally, Palestinians and both Israelis, they are not ready for this solution. And that's why it's going to take ages and ages. So I'm guessing, obviously, um, the United Nations deems the occupation as illegal, right? But the United States, yes. the United Kingdom, 
they whenever we, you mention that there's always this thing oh but you know hamas is a terrorist organization that's the the, the counter that always gets thrown i see a smirk was the uh, go on <laughs> actually using this term by the eu all the time and the americans that hamas is a terrorist organization palestinians or hamas was not established because palestinians are bored or have nothing to do hamas was established as a result of occupation they were established to resist against the occupation which is a legitimate right for anyone living under occupation if hamas is a terrorist organization as the U- european union and the us are claiming in 2006 we had the palestinian elections that was under the observation of the European Union and the US government and it was known as the most and the only transparent elections in the Middle East and suddenly at the result day people decided to vote for Hamas and the next day directly the EU and the United States declaring Hamas as a terrorist organization uh, putting uh, the blames all the time and pointing fingers at Hamas is a losing game in my opinion because uh, Hamas was not established without any reason it was a normal reaction for Palestinians living under occupation and it's not only Hamas who's resisting in the country by the way we have especially in Gaza there is Hamas the Islamic Jihad Fatah and the leftist party all of them they were a huge group during the last uh, round of Uh, rockets firing they were they were a huge group of Palestinian resistance movement fighting against the Israeli brutal airstrikes that was happening enough just um just to touch on because I, I didn't ask earlier obviously when we talk about uh, because the word rockets keeps getting said a lot if we think about like the 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 weapons that Israel are using they have like long range tactical weapons that have you know gps coordinates into specific buildings they have ordnance surveying they know exactly what they're firing at when they're firing exactly. at they have v- like high level explosives very firepower right yes what kind of technology is is hamas and and the other organizers what what are they able to achieve with what they're doing because obviously the the thing that we hear from israelis is we're getting thousands of rockets thousands if it's not for the iron dome then we will have thousands of israelis dead but from what i can see even the the rockets that get through they then they don't particularly seem all that threatening exactly and it's easy to distinguish the difference between the the two rockets the israeli ones and the palestinian made ones from the destruction they cause mm-hmm. like but the main difference that uh, the palestinian resistance groups the weapons they have at the rockets doesn't have the gps feature on it that's why it's hitting randomly everywhere when they target a city they can't target a specific building for instance And yesterday I've been watching a press conference for one of the polit- uh, of the militant group in Gaza and he was asked this question and he said if we have the ability of GPS 
we would target the specific buildings, but now this is the ability that we have. This is the only thing that we can resist with. And that's why we are using it to, to fire rockets randomly. I think um, it's imp important for people to have that as a distinction between the two, because from what we hear is, you know, Hamas, they are targeting civilians. They're targeting schools. They're targeting, you know, the, these sites that they shouldn't be targeting. But really, there's no targeting going on. Exactly, because look at the numbers. How many people died in Israel from the rockets and how many Palestinians died in Gaza? So, so if let's say uh, this this is actually a like a, a kind of hypothesis that I came up with. Let's say uh, tomorrow someone from the United Nations says, "Listen, we had enough of all this conf conflict." I say conflict uh, going on in in Palestine. What we're going to do? We're going to send the army in. We're going to de we're going to demilitarize the whole place. We're going to disarm Israeli army. We're going to disarm anyone in Gaza. We're going to take control over the place for a little while and we're going to establish a new government. We're going to hold rights. We're going to get rid of Israeli courts and Palestinian courts. There's going to be one court. How do you think that would be? Obviously, I'm, I'm fairly certain 99% of Israelis would not like that. How do you feel uh, Palestinians would feel about that? Yeah, personally, I would be happy. At least we will take a rest. Just to... And I will... I will practice my rights as a human being living in this planet. But this is actually quite interesting because thinking about it now, <laughs> it's kind of impossible, you know, because uh, I always refer to the UN as United Nothing because they can't do anything. Literally. There is over 50 UN resolutions that was broke by, broken by Israel, and they did nothing about it. In 2016, for instance, the Security Council announced that all the Israeli settlements in the West Bank are built illegally and should be dismantled as soon as possible because they are stopping the peace process. What happened about it? Nothing. The settlements still continue, Israel still continue building settlements. So actually, I'm not uh, expecting anything from the UN, even if they did this that was happening, which is impossible in my opinion. But your hypothesis, the one that you are talking about, actually, it, it's interesting. Demetal dismantle the Palestinian power and the Israelis and get rid of the both governments, get rid of the everything is illegal and trying to reform and to put everything on the right, on the right there. But <laughs> I don't think that this is happening because politics is involving in everything, you know? Yeah, because funnily enough, the, the first thing that I ever heard about what's going on was actually, I must have only been about 18, I think, maybe. And uh, it was a documentary, they're talking about Jerusalem and how, if I remember rightly, they were saying that Jerusalem was kind of divided into sections where like the Jewish quarter, the Christian quarter, the Muslim quarters, like communities would live separately, but everyone mixes together. 
And it's until it... today, actually, you have the Muslims neighborhood, the Christian quarter, the Jewish quarter. Yeah. But it's only it's been like this for many many years, and this is how it used to be before 1948 until today. But there was coexistence. Today we still have in Jerusalem. It still have the Muslim quarter, Christian quarter, yeah. and the Jewish quarter. But the Jewish living there, they are not the same Jewish who used to live here pre 1948. So the the thing that I that I was watching kind of said that the Jewish um, Jewish community seemed to be expanding and buying out the property from Muslims, and then it was talking about how they would come up with documents to say actually this property historically belonged to our family, and you now have to move, and that's not just from in Jerusalem; it's from other areas as well, like in the West Bank. And that they would evict these settlers, this um, sorry, they would evict Palestinians. Palestinians would go to court with their documents showing their right to, to live in that property. And the courts, Israeli court, says we don't recognize it. Exactly. Is that, is that fairly this is what's happening today? Any Jewish settler in the country, he can create a fake document for any property go to the Israeli court, deliver, deliver this document and claiming that he owns this building or this house. The Israelis will consider his cause without even editing this document or checking if this is a legal one or not. And the process will start. And you as a Palestinian, you have to go from court to court for many, many, many years trying to prove that this building is belonging to you. And this is what's been happening recently in Al-Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood. But it's funny because you are going to an Israeli court who's clearly in favor of Israeli settlers. If they didn't solve the issue directly, they will keep postponing the trial for years and years and years, trying that you will get sick of it one day. And in one night, they will decide to come and kick you out without even giving you notice about it. This is what's happening not only in Jerusalem, it's in many, many other places around the country. So when you when you see, obviously, I was actually, we had a, a march in London um, just the other week, and the headcount was something like 180,000. Um, which is a, a decent sized march for London. Uh, when you hear about stuff like this happening, does that give you more hope for, for kind of liberation moving forward? Do you think stuff like this is genuinely effective or do you think it just helps to shine the spotlight temporarily? No, actually, and we were talking about it two days ago, me and a couple of colleagues, like for the first time we witnessed this kind of Changing, changing on the public opinion. Uh, those kind of things not helpful only to spotlight a problem and temporarily. Uh, in my opinion, I find it really effective because it shows that people start to understand what's really happening. You can't trick people anymore, you know. Uh, and to have this huge number of protesters in London and it wasn't only, I think, one protest. There was two, more than mm -hmm. one protest, right? There was uh, one week, there yeah, was yeah. protest, and then next week, it, one, 
over 100,000 of both of them. Yeah, to, to see this actually, and this is what recently make me a, a more optimistic, not only what I saw from London, what I demonstrations I saw in the United States in some European cities. Uh, clearly something is changing, even if it's slowly a little bit, but people started to understand. People start to break this fear about talking and mentioning what's really happening in the country. Yeah. Um, other than, I mean, not to say other than, but there's protests. Is there anything else like, uh, you know, you would recommend that people who are in, and I don't even want to say necessarily support of Palestine, but I mean support of people being treated like humans, you know, um, people just being treated with respect and fairly and and all words attached to that. Um, what what is there anything that you could suggest we could do in 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 order to sort of further sort of push that? There is one thing. And it's one of the most effective thing and history improved that it was a good thing. BDS. Okay. Boycott, the boycott campaigns. Yeah, yeah. And during the time of apartheid in South Africa, this was the most effective way that led to ending the apartheid okay. state in South Africa. Okay. And I'm talking about B BDS, not only boycotting Israeli products, but boycotting everything related to Israel. And if you can check the BDS uh, website, you can see a lot of useful things and links and articles that will help people to understand how the BDS could be a good way to end the occupation, to end the illegal treatment and the bad treatment against Palestinians. We're talking about an academic boycotting, art boycotting, products and economical boycotting. There is different effective way for it. For instance, you are British guys. G4S company, I know it has a very bad reputation in Britain. They are the one who's responsible on installing the checkpoint that I have to cross through as a Palestinian in the West Bank. Okay. If they, they are if they operate yeah. if they operate in the West Bank the way they operate in England, you will just walk straight through, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish if they can operate the same way as they operate in your side. Here, wow. no, crossing a checkboard is one of the most disgusting things, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so G4S is... So, obviously, we have other big companies as well, Coca-Cola, Costa. Uh, Caterpillar. There is, there is a huge, a huge list. Hewlett Packard. So, and this, the only thing for me, like I, I actually had this conversation with someone about BDS the other day because it was it was really very effective for for South Africa. In, in South Africa. But when you talk about Coca Cola, I said to someone the other day, like, do you know how many bottles of Coca Cola get sold every year for you to have an impact? It's it's in the billions. Mm. I think it's something like thirteen billion containers oh. of Coca-Cola are sold every year. So that's, that's two per person on the planet, yeah? For, <laughs> I think, so, yeah. So, so 
obviously, I'm, as you heard my hypothesis earlier, I have big, big ambitions, right? So, so one of my suggestions, it got shut down pretty quickly, was anyone in, like, in my opinion, if you're, if you're in support of BDS, then perhaps an alternative would be to actually purchase shares in these companies, which sounds crazy. Because like, well, if you purchase shares in these companies, you're supporting them. However, if everyone gets together and buys shares as a, as a group, you can be represented at shareholder meetings and you can move the company to disavow itself with Israeli services or Israeli, um, is the Israeli government. So you could, for example, if, if everyone got together and purchased 5% of the Coca-Cola company, you could attend the next shareholder meeting and say, we are moving our factory out of Palestine. And you have a voice at that, that meeting. They'll have to vote on it. Mm-hmm. And it'll actually be a constructive thing. To get that to happen is big. You need a lot of organization. Um, and this is the first thing that people shut down. They say, well, it's too much organization. I said, that's the problem with BDS as well, because I, I know people who support BDS generally, and still when they go to McDonald's, they will get Coke because it's convenient so buying a share maybe is is a little too inconvenient maybe i don't know i think something like wall street bets actually i like your idea you know yeah (laughs) your idea is really smart and very strategic yeah really and it could work you know but uh the the question here how much is five shares in coca it's Coca-Cola a lot. company. It's how a, much shares? But yeah, when, how much shares should people buy? Yeah. But my my thing was saying like, okay, this this isn't like the whole the the situation in in Palestine isn't is not a, a Jewish Muslim issue. I think this is one of the other things as well. No, it no, no, it's not a religious. It, it gets portrayed from our media side as as a, you know a, a religious thing. A religious it, conflict. Yeah. However. In the UK, at least, a lot of the support for BDS movement comes from British Muslims. Even on my social media, a lot of friends of mine who are Pakistani or or Afghan or or from Egypt or Saudi, they're all supporting BDS. They would be the kind of people who would just as easily buy shares. And especially now we're talking about social media becoming a big movement, those people could do it. But you would need a few million people to spend a few hundred dollars on shares and it could happen it could happen quite easily i think i think denny's just doing a, a quick uh a quick google search for for how many how much it is but is it'll be a lot of money but it's it's easier to move things from the inside you know yeah exactly and Dennis got some conspiracy if if it would take a lot of organization, but the single biggest shareholder of Coca-Cola owns less than 10%. The fifth biggest, the fourth biggest owns less than 4%. Okay. So it would, it's doable, but it would take a lot of... How much is it worth? Oh, so you said five, if you if you said 5%, yeah, yeah, right? so if 5%. you were at 5%, you would be the third biggest shareholder. Okay. So and I'm... that would be 2 billion. So 1% would be enough for you to be a significant shareholder. Okay, so do you say $2 billion? So we just need $2 billion, my friend. <laughs> we, <laughs> okay, let's start GoFundMe. That's it. But that's the thing as well. Like, okay, what's, what's the global population of Muslims? 
it's it's got to be like at least at least one point seven billion, mm. at least. So if yeah. if everyone got together, say okay, let's let's buy everyone that's able to, everyone that's mm. able to buy five shares or put enough money in our GoFundMe to buy five shares. Listen, Abdullah, we're gonna make this happen, okay? <laughs> okay. But um, do you do you run any uh, sort of social media or anything you'd like us to sort of share, and then people can sort of follow or any good? Yeah, actually, there is uh, a lot of good resources on social media, especially on Instagram recently. Mm. Uh, if you don't mind, I can send you a list. Yes, yes, please, yeah. With the links and the name of those pages, which yeah. is really good, and you can uh, you can follow it. Yeah. And they update every day, like they have a lot of posts. So you can see more of what's really happening on the ground. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. There was there was another thing I wanted to ask actually. Um obviously last year we saw what happened in America with the Black Lives Matter movement. And this was a case where a marginalized community for a long time felt like they weren't being given, you know, a lot of similarities. Yeah. Like you can draw you can draw a lot of similarities between you know, black Americans living in America. Yeah. Obviously not the same thing as being under military occupation, of course, but, it, you know, there was a straw that broke the camel's back with what happened with George Floyd and everyone turned to violence. Not everyone, but a, a good portion of the community turned to violence. I've, I've had this conversation because, again, being a bit military, militantly minded, I, I say, look, sometimes violence is necessary and by the sounds of what you're talking about, when we spoke about the rockets being fire, fired over, I, I think maybe you would agree. But the the issue maybe with um, that you have in Palestine is that it, it always gets kind of pointed out as from the West, at least as Muslim terrorists. Exactly. So to that extent, do you have any like conflict when it comes to this? Or do you think, do you know what? You, you just have to, sometimes you just have to make a stand. And if it's violent and they're going to call you terrorist, then so be it. Because they called Mandela terrorist too. Yeah, nowadays, as a Palestinians, any way of resist, we want to do it, we will be called a terrorist directly. Even the BDS thing, which is considered under the freedom of speech, you can decide whatever you want to buy. If you are a supporter of BDS, you will be called as a terrorist. Uh, Israel has been trying to pass a law so they can put people who talk about it or support it in jail, which is really ridiculous. Uh, so for Palestinians, if you ask me now whether a kind of resistance is a violence or a non-violence way, it doesn't matter because if you resist in a non-violence way, you will face the same reaction or you will face the same result as if you are resisting in a, in a violence way. We've been going in non-violence demonstrations for years. And we've been faced faced with tear gas, rubber bullets, live ammunition, skunk water, anything you imagine. And it's a non-violence way. So I feel it's ridiculous to talk about whether to use a non-violence resistance or a violence one, because using this or this, we are having the same results. And when you talked about the similarity between uh the palestinians and what's happening in palestine and what's been happened with george floyd 
I'll tell you my personal experience when I saw the video of George Floyd when the soldier kneeing on his neck. I was not surprised at all because this is known that Israeli, Israeli military it trained those American soldiers, not only in Minneapolis. They are coming yearly here, attending the demonstrations to practice how the Israeli army and soldiers uh, control pal Palestinians. So when I saw it, I felt like I'm seeing a Palestinian guy on the ground and an Israeli soldier kneeling on him. And there is many people who start sharing pictures for Palestinian children who've been facing the same situation as George Floyd and talking that, about it that it's not different. Occupation and discrimination against indigenous people, uh, it's, it has the same face all over the world. What's been happening against the indigenous people and the American black African community, it's similar to what's happening here with a lot of dif different stuff. But at the end, there is a lot of similarities. People are fighting for their basic human rights. That's fair. That's fair. So um, just be before we wrap up, I wanted to ask because um, before we started, you obviously mentioned that uh, you know our British accent is a little bit hard to keep up with sometimes, but your, your English is very good, probably better than mine. What, what do you do for work? Okay, so I studied accounting and business administration. I graduated in 2014 and I worked for almost two years as a direct sales officer for a huge telecommunication company in Palestine. But when I was studying at school, I used to organize a small political tours in my city, Hebron, in the West Bank. Then when I graduated and I started working with the telecommunication company, two years later, I quit my job and I decided to pursue this career as a tour guide in Hebron and in the West Bank. And since 2016 until today, I've been full-time tour guide. I have my own small company. But when the pandemic started, uh, Tourism stopped not only in Palestine, all over the country, all over the world, sorry. So I spent a couple of months without job, but now I'm working as a human rights observer with an international NGO in Hebron. It's called CPT, the Christian Peacemaker Teams. We are based in the old city in Al-Khalil, Hebron. Where we are observing the checkpoints where children every morning have to go through to go to schools. We do a lot of advocacy work about what's happening in Palestine. We do a lot of campaigns. Uh, we have different, different, different projects. And we write a newsletter every month about stuff happening in Hebron. But this NGO been in the city since 1995. They were asked to come here after an Israeli-American reserve soldier with the Israeli army. His name is Baruch Goldstein. He committed a massacre against Palestinian Muslims while they were, in, were praying in the oldest mosque in the city, Al-Ibrahim 
Muslim mosque and he killed 29 Palestinians. So they came one year after and as a human rights observers in the city. So that's what I'm doing for work now. So you, you obviously, even more so than, than a typical Palestinian civilian, you get to see this stuff a lot more. Yeah, and I live it every day. Uh, imagine if you are a Palestinian human rights observer, that you have to observe the violations of the human rights, which is committed by Israelis against Palestinians, and you are a Palestinian trying to interact. Yeah. You see how much pressure. Yeah. Wow. That's a difficult group, sir. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we look forward to uh, definitely receiving the list of yeah, yeah. Uh, links um, and addresses of places that we can get some more information. Cool. And share. Yeah, yeah. we did. And uh, I think if it, if it's okay, we'd like to stay. I will send it all your way. Cool, cool. And then uh, hopefully maybe we'll be in touch, and then maybe uh, even we'll come out when the yeah, yeah. are lifted. We can see stuff in person and. Uh, yeah, even do another episode on this again in the future, see how things unfold. You you never been to Palestine? No, my friend. I have not. But Louis, you look so familiar. Like since we started this call, I'm trying to remember where 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 I saw you. <laughs> but you since you you've never been here, so uh, I have a what? I have this standard white man look about me. You know, everybody says, oh, I know you from somewhere. I know you from somewhere. All the white people, we all look the same. So maybe because I met a lot of white people since 2016 until today, I thought that I know you, maybe. That's it. But now you, um, hopefully you will meet me soon someday. I, will, I would like to come out and visit and, uh, and see for myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although it's not, it's not the kind of uh, yeah, yeah. tourism people really look forward to, but it's, it's very good for opening one's eyes and uh, you know seeing the world for what it is. Unfortunately, it's not. You know, most people would, would like to just go on safari or go chill out on the it's beach. It's more than educational tourism. Yeah, I call it. Yeah, no, well, yeah. This is what's crazy about this country. You can come here to do an educational tour, but at the same time, you can have fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, Abdullah. It's been, uh, it's been really yeah. Yeah, educational speaking to you. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Is it your pause? Okay, so that would do for the for the recorded part of it. What's going on here? Um, Let's go. Oh, you froze. Oh, oh, oh! Still not coming through. You can you still hear us? Yes. Oh, you can't. Your uh, we kind of ended it in good time because your audio is starting to break out quite a lot. But um, but yeah, we still managed to pick up decent amount, decent amount. But yeah, thank you so much for taking the time out to, to speak to us today, man. It's yeah, been uh, thank you. been very, very informative. And like I say, obviously, I don't know about this year because uh, I don't know with the whole COVID situation, how, how things are moving. What was, uh, just out of curiosity, well, is something not so... Israel's actually on our green list. 
Oh, is it? It is, yeah. Okay, so Israel's on the green list. I don't know about Palestine. Oh, that's what I mean. Probably that's not. <laughs> Probably not. How was, uh, how, how was Palestine affected? <laughs> really bad, actually, but uh, the worst part of it that uh, Israel start vaccinating people there but not palestinians like they have the the amount they can vaccinate palestinians with it but no okay. recently we the palestinian authority received the vac vaccination units now the situation i can't say it's uh, safe um but we can say it's in the middle now people are st started to get their vaccines i took my vaccine one week ago uh, and hope we are hoping that soon things they will can vaccinate more and more people yeah. but in israel like it's almost normal the the life is going back to normal i think okay because yeah, I saw uh, Israel were one of the first people to start with vaccination. Well, they're, they're, they're one of the most ahead in the yeah. world. I think they're your first or second. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Um, but yeah, like I said, hopefully we'll, we'll be in touch. I'll let you know. I'll send you a link once this gets released. That way you can you can listen back to it. Okay. Well. Cool. All right. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Bye. Well, guys, there you have it. Straight from Abdullah's mouth. Yes. Right. You all privileged bunch of... No, I'm joking. Yeah, like, it's it, it's a deep situation. And we're going to definitely share um, the links um, just so we can further inform ourselves and you guys can also further inform yourself. But the key thing I, 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 he did answer, which I wanted to kind of differentiate, was what's happening when we're seeing it on the news, like what we get told on the news is this conflict, their rockets are being thrown from both sides. Put that aside, like what's happening on the day to day? Like yeah, that, that sort of life that they're living on the day to day. Why, why is there such a pro-Palestinian uh, movement? And it's not because there's this conflict, again, in, a, you know, in quotations, it's what's happening on the day to day, the inequality, the way people are having to live, um, yeah, there's actually um, there's actually a, <clears throat> I watched it recently. Something called The Present. It's on Netflix. It's a short film based mm. in Palestine. I'm gonna clear my throat. <clears> throat> Dear Lord. But um, but yeah, I watched that recently. It's only 25 minutes. So if you want to get an idea of uh, what it's like for Palestinians, other than what we've just heard very articulately and eloquently from Abdullah, then yeah, go go look that up. But um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's really interesting. I'd be looking forward to a seeing seeing how much of an impact this round of protest has. Yeah. Hopefully, more people continue to protest mm. and kind of put more pressure on governments to to do things. And guys, if you're listening to this and you you're on board with with you know actually being a bit more active, write to your local MP. Yeah. Ask your local MP why he's not getting up, asking questions at PMQs, why he's not pushing for. For, for an end to the Israeli occupation, you know, make these people accountable. Um, but yeah, go on, Dan. What you, you, you? No, that 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 was it. That was it. Um, I think next next uh, next time round we'll we'll expand a little bit on the BDS. 
yeah. as well. I think that's worth. Be good to get someone that's uh, yeah a bit more yeah. informed on as well. Maybe I could. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good conversation. Very very uh, insightful for me. Cool. Well, as it was a bit of a deep one, I think we're actually going to just skip the throwbacks today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, we'll just say goodbye.